0: Thank you for listening to the Folk Podcast. If you would like to become more involved with the Wisdom of Odin community, please think about donating to Patreon. At the lowest tier, you gain access to our community Discord, Uh, the next tier you gain access to live streams, and of course at the final tier you gain early access videos, as well as your name in the end credits for all Wisdom of Odin videos. Thank you so much for watching, and thank you so much for whatever support you're able to provide. Hello, my name is Jacob, and I am a Norse pagan, and welcome to episode 43 of the Folk Podcast, where we have kidnapped another group of people. Well, I say kidnapped. It's mostly like what happened to Parker last time, where Parker showed up at my house, and I was like, hey, you want to totally be on a podcast? He was like, uh, I guess, and I'm like, nice, and we got Parker. And we got the other bunch from the original fellowship. We got Logan and Mary because Baker was actually tattooing Logan uh, while we were trying to do the podcast. So now we got them for the podcast, which I'm really excited for. Uh, Logan and Mary were really the, some of the earliest members of the, I mean, fellowship. I mean, shoot, Baker was too. Oh my gosh, we got like half the original fellowship here. This is amazing. I love it. Um, so Logan and Mary have been staples of the community for a very long time, um, both starting as guests and now are moving even into like leading rituals, leading guests gatherings. So we've all kind of grown through this together. So we wanted to bring them on for today's topic. Honestly, everything worked out really well. Um, But before we move into the topic itself, I want to give Logan and Mary a chance to introduce themselves and give us a little details onto their journey. So off to you guys. Tell us a little, tell us all a little bit about yourselves.
1: All right. uh, Hi guys. I'm Mary. Um, I've been a pagan since about 2016, and before that, I was an atheist, and I found the gods, um, just to keep it brief, uh, through primarily dreams, and uh, then I found Jacob last year on the internet, and um, we've been friends ever since.
2: Yep, I'm Logan. Uh, I'm Mary's fiance, uh, so I've been exposed to paganism through her, and I dabbled for a while uh, before attending the first uh, gathering. And uh, that was kind of what kicked my uh, path into high gear. Uh, now I mostly work with Freya, uh, but you know, I work with a variety of uh, deities. I talk a lot to Nerthus, Odin, uh, Njord, Freyr. So, I mean, you're literally fun.
0: getting an Odin tattoo right now.
2: I am yes a hand poke on my skinny ribs quite a sacrifice yes
0: (laughs) there's not a lot of skin to give I mean you know they're they're pretty skinny ribs so it's basically his entire ribs (laughs) um but yeah so um first off it is you know just really crazy to me to have you guys on the podcast um and just see that I I always forget that like when I first met you um that like Logan you weren't really fully on like the Norse pagan path at that time and then like from that first gathering it just kind of blossomed from there if I remember correctly right
2: yeah yeah I, I had done a little bit of deity work uh, and some spiritual stuff meditation uh, Mary had been you know having me dip my toes in it but uh, after the first gathering I, I really started buckling down and found Freya shortly afterwards I've been uh, working with her mostly since then so that's I guess that's been about a year and a half now
0: Yep, and now you do rituals in boggy holes. Yep. <laughs> now I crawl in the boggy holes. He's very it. good. At it.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Wearing like w- boat, like what was it? Like the wood driftwood mask.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: With your like your uh your sickle and what was what was the other thing you had in your hand? Like an it's
2: antler. A- yeah sickle and an antler
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah how much times have changed but this is a perfect transition to our topic for today which is the creation of rituals or really anything around rituals um so once again you know like with many of our topics i always tend to look at the questions i receive uh you know running the wisdom of odin and something i do get asked quite a bit still is how to create rituals or how to find rituals i guess is another way Um, at least how people question it to me um is they usually are like hey you know blah 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 blah, blah. nice to meet you you love your content but also like how do you do rituals where do you get them where's the magical book of rituals that tell me how to do everything and I I do think this is one of like the Christian misconceptions we still would deal with all the time and that's, you know, the, the, the there's this idea that there's just this written book of how to be a pagan, and there's not. And there's really no one book on how to perform a ritual. There's no one right way. Um, and I think that's always an important thing to state, um, especially when we dive into these topics where we don't really have source material. There are There is a little bit of evidence to go off of as far as like what a historical heathen bloat would have been from, you know, 872 BC in Sweden, but it's not a lot and it's not really anything we could do today unless you really like you know sacrificing goats by hanging them from a tree and you know killing you know virgin brides Um, So if you don't like doing those things, we basically have to go off of other people's personal experiences. So this conversation today, I I don't think we've ever had this many people on the podcast before, uh, because we have all the co-hosts and two guests. So this is going to be kind of hard to do. But we're going to just have a discussion on what we've kind of gone through to discover rituals, um, perform rituals, and create rituals, um, really from scratch, while still also trying to honor the past we've been on. Um, so would anyone like to begin on how they go about creating rituals?
1: Well, um, I've only done, um, the one public one, uh, back at Central Ostara. Um, but how I prefer, how I prepared for that one, like there's no set form or fashion or way you would prepare, but how I like to prepare i kind of like to know a basis of what i was going to say beforehand so i would write it out and kind of make it poetic and then i would practice that and practicing that kind of makes it automatic in your mind so if anything weird does come up that it's second nature so um but you know it didn't go exactly as i had planned it to go um it wasn't exactly by the book. And I don't think they can ever be exactly how you write them or how you create them. Um, but before I went into that, what I did was I went and meditated for, I mean, probably two hours. I was just getting in the zone, getting my garb on, um, really taking in that kind of aspect that I wanted to become for the book.
0: Um, A quick chime in, um, you know, obviously, you know, for the listeners is we're going to be talking about a a mix of personal rituals, as well as group rituals as well. They tend to have the same bone structure from my personal experience. It's just obviously when you're doing a group ritual, especially when you're performing one, you have to take in consideration the other people in the ritual. Um, So you just have to think, okay, you know, how am I going to wrap in their experiences, what they need with. The ritual itself um, but otherwise I, I have found that rituals are very similar whether it's just with one person four people or 30 people you just have to think of the logistics really
1: mm-hmm. yeah personal rituals for me are very much silent um i do my own offerings and i kind of say what i'm saying in my head after i clear out my head space so this was very different going from personal ritual to a big ritual for a
3: lot of people. Yeah, they kind of touch on like what, oh, we had an uninvited guest. Um, yeah, I'll let you cut that out, Jacob. <laughs> um, so to kind of tie in both what Mary and Jacob said. So for me, I, I kind of go a little bit just let things go with the flow. Like I do have some set planning. I don't really do a script or anything. But I do, kind of like what Jacob was saying, Like, look at who is there for that ritual. So for example, when I did my Hell's Bloat um, at the Texas gathering, I had spoken to, for the, by the time I had done that ritual, everybody that was there and kind of got a feel for what certain individuals were working with. And there was uh, one of the people that was there, they were trying to work with ancestors a lot more And another individual that was there was kind of working with uh, kind of like a beloved dead kind of thing, like friends that they had lost um, since they had been in the military and stuff like that. So knowing that, you know, that kind of helped mold what, like what my purpose was going to be and how that ritual was going to end up going. Um, But I also do something very similar, like what Mary was saying, where I spent... It was probably close about around the same time, about two hours, where I had isolated myself from the rest of the group, and part of that was also just being in complete darkness. Um, you know, I tried to avoid all like natural light, whether it was coming from the fire or, or the house or anything like that, and you know, kind of help get in that mindset. And then once the fire for that ritual essentially died down to basically just embers, I knew right right then and there it was time to do this. So, like, I didn't even have, like, a set time exactly of this is when I'm going to do it at this exact moment. It was this – it felt right, and then I just went into it from there.
4: You're not wrong. A lot of us went to sleep waiting. <laughs> uh, but uh, kind of going off of what y'all were saying, yeah, with, like, all at the Texas and Ian and I did, uh, I, I talked with Ian a little bit beforehand, but I was mostly, you know – being the Thor guy, it was getting close to winter. So I knew Thor was getting ready to go to Jotunheim and I wanted to do something to honor venerate Thor and bring the folk together because he is the God of the people. And so I was like, all right, what would you do for a friend going on a trip? Like for you, Jacob, but Germany uh, send them off. You want to have a big send off party or something like that. And so that's what I did. You know, I, I kind of gathered the folk and I was like, look, George getting ready to go to Jotunheim. Let's fill his meat, meat uh, let's fill him up with mead, food. Let's give him everything he needs on that journey to go so that way we can hear about his tales when he comes back. And that was like my mindset, my thinking behind that ritual. So to
0: roll it back to basics real quick, um just for the people that are just getting into the faith. Um I do have a full video covering rituals, um you know, if you want to like refer to that as well, but obviously in the podcast this is a little bit more of personal experiences. Uh, but I will refer to that in the sense that a basic ritual to me really is just like, you know, the invocation of who you're going to do this for. You know, is it about a spirit, is it about an ancestor, is it about a deity, is it about a group of deities, is it a general offering to the deities? You know, you have to have a who. You're actually Trying to contact who you're trying to get connected to, um, and then you have the middle, like the meat and potatoes, the substance. Like, what are you actually doing? Um, you know, this is really where your personal flair comes into it. Um, where you know you kind of focus on an aspect. Like, if you're going for Odin, you know, invoke Odin, you know, call to him, use many different names, um, and then the middle section would be, you know, are you going to focus on the wisdom aspect, the wandering aspect, the warrior aspect, the leader aspect? Um, you know, are you going to, you know, bring in a different poem from the poetic Edda or? Are you going to you know use raven feathers in the ritual you know that really this can be just about anything um you know this is really where you can personally come through and shine and where i find in public rituals as well this is also where you know you you really get that 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 sense that that energy that vibe um it's it's always going to be different um, no matter who performs it you know it changes by the day the person the weather um you know it can really be very different And then you have to, just as you began a ritual, you have to close the ritual as well, which is something that as a community, we have had bad experiences with, not necessarily like bad, bad, but like bad, but weird, but interesting experiences when you don't close a ritual out. And, you know, thank the spirit and or deity that you invoked, um, which if you want to know more about that, go watch the uh, Fall Gathering podcast episode where we talk about that more. Um, but, you know, closing a ritual is very important. I mean, it's just like when you, you go to dinner with somebody, um, you go get a coffee or a drink with somebody, you have a greeting and you say goodbye. Same thing with the deity, same thing with the ancestors, the spirits say goodbye to them, um, you know, thank them for their time. I mean, they gave you their time of day, um, you know, and I think I referred to it in the ritual video as a ritual sandwich, you know, you have to have, unless you're an open-faced sandwich, but then you're just lame. Um, you're trying to like, you know, I don't know, don't just, it's a sandwich, okay? Um, so you have your two pieces of bread and just got, you gotta have the two pieces of bread, okay? There's no open-faced sandwiches in heathenry. <laughs> I'm declaring it.
1: Sounds like dogma.
0: Oh yeah, yeah! <laughs> that wisdom <Wizard> of <laughs> Odin guy, man, he doesn't like open face sandwiches.
4: <laughs> I was just thinking with you, you were trying to come up with a thing with the open face sandwiches, like Ian and his stairs.
0: The, yeah, hey, my, got, mine, got
4: mine is yours. way
0: better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so wait, I, will, I feel like we need to describe the stairs real quick to really embarrass Ian.
5: Oh yeah, always have to. So,
0: and do you want to do you want to go through the stair thing? You know, this is really for the listeners too. You know, so they they hear about the stairs. You know,
1: they, yeah. Uh, so familiar.
3: yeah, so the story behind the stairs is I was trying to be wise. I was trying to get some advice on. I don't even remember exactly what it was, but it was just like your your journey through paganism as a whole. And for some reason, I started using stairs. as Each step being the next like level of your journey and experience as you go. And You just keep climbing stairs, and it sounded like the ramblings of a madman. And it has (laughs) well, no, I think what made it funny
4: was that it was we were talking about you know helping out new people, new new beginnings, new pagans, and Ian for whatever reason was like staircase, staircase, staircase.
0: Like I think the exact right. Well, I think the exact thing was he he brought up a point of staircases, and then like we were like, okay, cool, cool, and we moved on through the conversation, and we got to something else, and he's like, you know it's like you're moving forward and every step you take is another stair. We're like, really? The stairs again? <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, boy. Yeah, it, was a, it was a moment. <laughs> Hell,
4: I'm never going to let you live that down.
0: Yeah. All right. Sorry, Logan. I I just I feel like we had to bring that back up. Uh, it oh, is all okay, yours. Good. Okay.
2: So let me describe the stairs of my scene. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so... I'll use uh, probably the favorite, my favorite ritual that I've ever done in like a group setting. All right, so the first stair of your sandwich is as Jacob was saying, the uh, Indian vogue. So this, for context, this ritual was a or Bloat at uh, the Central Yule last year. So me and my, uh, my fellow sandwich makers, uh, Parker and Zach, we got together and the first stair of our sandwich was creating this large altar to the volume. And I feel like creating the space is sort of the, um, it's, it's an overlooked part of, of building your sandwich. Mm-hmm. And um, so we created this large altar. We had a space for Freya, Freyr, Njord, and Nerthus. And uh, so we went through the woods, collected things. Uh, We had like uh, idols of Njord, Freya, Freyr, and Zach actually carved like a a stone for Nathus because we didn't have an idol for her. But then we got like wheat for Freyr, and I collected like various beautiful like stones and uh, plants and stuff for the Freya portion. Me too. Yeah, yeah, she helped. (laughs) And some uh, shells for Njord and whatnot. And uh, we went out there and kind of meditated for a while together, Uh, got sort of our basic structure down, but we didn't really have a script. Uh, Zach went and sat by the shore because we knew that he was going to do the Njord part to kind of connect, and meditate with Njord. Uh, Parker went off into the woods and spoke to the trees, and I stayed behind at the altar and uh, kind of communed with each god and gave offerings to them. Uh, And like a public ritual, I kind of prefer to give my... Offerings beforehand, so that uh, the focus is on the people there giving their offerings.
1: Oh, of course.
2: So then, after we got all sufficiently lost in the woo, uh, everyone came out, and so then that's the meat and potatoes of your of your sandwich staircase. There's potatoes
1: yeah. in your sandwich.
2: There's potatoes in your sandwich. Yes. <laughs> so the potatoes of the sandwich staircase. <laughs> What is that? I,
0: Keep it together? I, <laughs> it's an ugly sandwich, but it's still a
2: sandwich. We got to roll with it. <laughs> it was a beautiful sandwich.
1: It's uh, our sandwich. Right.
2: <laughs> so in the actual, I feel like there's a mini sandwich inside the sandwich <laughs> where you you invoke privately beforehand to kind of consecrate the, the space. Like an appetizer. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the first stare of the meal. And <laughs> so then you do the public invocation uh, to welcome, you know, the people there who aren't leading the ritual uh, into that mindset. Uh, then the, the middle, the, I think what I think the most important part, if a ritual has this aspect in it, is giving the offering. So I, I personally just really love uh, like group rituals where everyone has an opportunity to come up and give their own offering. say who they're giving their offering to You get some really beautiful stories like that you can feel people's emotions and connections to the gods that's i mean i just i love that. but then after that uh and it's funny because our sandwich got a little off track here because we we had a plan to um i think maybe parker was going to uh Say something to kind of close the space, but uh, Jacob, you were the last person to give their off to give your offering, and after you did so, we were right on the shore of a lake. Jacob was like, "I don't know about you guys, but I'm hopping in that lake." <laughs> <laughs> and everyone, all the guys just started taking their shirts off and just running towards the lake and I looked at Parker and Zach and I was like, well, I guess this is the way that we're ending it. And I kind of thought that was really cool because it was a Vonier ritual and it was, it just felt really natural and wild and we were just getting crazy, you know, connecting with the, the raw forces of nature around us, so. Keep it in mind,
0: made- kids, this was the Yule gathering. This was cold. This was not a, a, a
2: leisurely dip. <laughs> it was not a leisurely dip, no. I still
5: hear Cameron's yelling about his little BBs.
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
0: Seriously, the worst part for me was the gravel on the way back up the hill, like to the hot tub. That was wrong rough.
2: Hike to the hot tub. That right there was the true offer. That's sacrifice. <laughs> the sacrifice. <laughs> the blood on
0: the soles of my feet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, the important thing is, even if something changes from how you planned it, I mean, you don't even have to plan. You can just be intuitive and you know, say what comes to you in the moment. But ultimately, there is sort of always that structure. Where you invoke, you offer, or you know, do whatever working that you're trying to do, and then you close it out. And, uh, so even if things don't go to plan, that, that kind of basic structure is important.
0: I think that that ritual in general is a, a good example of a lot of things that can happen in ritual uh, because not only was it a successful ritual, but it was a, a well-planned ritual. There was a lot of work put into that. Um, it was involving three people that were leading it. It was also a ritual that I think 48 people in total participated in, um, so it was a huge ritual, um, but it still allowed everyone the time they needed uh, for their own personal, you know, experiences. You know, I, I think it, what was it, uh, Jonathan? Um, like with Stumpy, I think he's what he goes by. He brought like an anchor like that he found. And now it's like a, like a, a symbol for New York that he painted and stuff like that. It's crazy. Um, but also the way that lake was, every time people said like, Hail Freya, Hail Freya, um, like echoed across the lake and came back at us, which was crazy. And then there was the bald eagle that flew over at one point, um, having with the 4th of July, everybody, that's when we're recording this. Um, and then of course, at the very end with me jumping in the water. So like there was elements of planning, of acceptance you know it definitely seems like with the eagle flying over it was a very well accepted and received ritual um and then there's like the you know the unknown variables that still add to it so you know there's a lot going on and yeah that that ritual is still one of my my more favorite ones um it was also one of the first rituals i didn't actually have to do any work for which was great
2: i find that nature kind of Give signs a lot uh, during you know, successful rituals. Like Mary, you were talking about your land ritual earlier. Uh, that one really spooked me out in a way because there was this owl that would hoot whenever she like finished a sentence. And uh, those those kind of moments are just uh, it, it's it's nice to know that you know. I mean, that's a clear sign to me that it's being well received.
5: Yes. I've actually got one thing um, that kind of ties into this stuff, but it's actually like, it was a small little personal thing that I did um, yesterday, actually. I went back to my hometown in Virginia and uh, was going around to all of the old cemeteries up there, basically. I went to my my family plot on our, what used to be our land, um, and connected with a bunch of ancestors there. The energy was really thick. Tried to give an offering up there, um, and then there it seemed like as soon as I went to do that, there was this family that I'd never met before so they just decided to show up and I got to speak with them and I learned some more about my my ancestry and stuff like that. So that was cool. And then uh, I ended up finding the grave of um, the man who actually first settled in that county back in 1829 uh, and his, he got, everybody knows him as Revolutionary John Moss because he fought in the Battle of Kings Mountain back in 1780. Um, and I, I went up there, and you could tell nobody had been up there, probably in a long time. There was trash up there all over the place. Went up there to spend, just, just kind of sat down, and kind of just called out to him and said, "You know, I don't have anything. I don't have anything on me to actually offer to you, other than my time." And I just sat there for a few minutes in silence, and just thinking about how the land was whenever he first came there, and everything like that. And then I, uh, the road is only like. 20 yards from where I was standing. And I couldn't hear the cars going by or anything like that anymore. And all I could hear was nature. You know, I could hear squirrels running up and down the trees, going through the leaves and everything like that, uh, the birds. Um, and it was just a really awesome thing. There was this really nice, cool breeze that came through, too. And there's just a, like a little small ritual that I didn't actually even give anything physical
1: other than my time to of the most valuable things you can give.
5: Oh
0: yeah, for sure. And I, I mean I don't know how much we've talked about, you know, I feel like it's been very sparingly, but you know, alternative offerings to food, drink, things like that. Um, you know, like and one of the big things is time. And uh something that I really like is uh poetry as well. You know, poetry's cheap. You know, you just got to take the time to sit down and actually creatively write it. Um and it's one of those things where I feel like I can write a poem and then you know burn it for a God. And then it's like I'm not gonna remember it again and it's all theirs. Um, uh, and another one, actually, Blade or uh, Old Babushka recommended to I think Ian. We've talked about it with him is uh, the idea of offering secrets to like gods, like Odin. Like hmm. I really like that idea as well. You know, so you you know take a secret to your grave kind of thing, but give it to a god instead. I kind of like that. Hmm.
3: Yeah, and I mean that's something that I've I've talked about to a lot of people that are newer to the faith as well, where they're where they ask about you know, what do I give? And yeah, like the effort of time or, you know, it doesn't have to be physical. Like every time something like that is brought up, it's whatever the, as long as you have good intention behind what you're doing, that is more important, at least in my opinion, than a physical object. So yeah, it can be whether it's just spending some time with a potential forgotten, you know, spirit or individual, or whether it's taking the time to clean up uh you know nature around you and offer that as as an, basically if that is an offering to like the lamb tier or a deity or something like that so yeah it it, oh, it doesn't always have to be a physical object and I think that's where a lot of people kind of get lost with it because again you know we have various forms of of social media where we have people posting these crazy you know altar setups and these crazy offerings and You know, we see it in in media and stuff like that with like Vikings and whatnot. Um, But that's not honestly like the majority of of offerings, I feel like. I feel like a lot more people give time and effort and whether it's art like poetry or even carving something like a, a, you know, with some purpose behind it and then burning it, you know, as an offering. So you still put in that time to create this thing and then you, you know, you burned it as an offering and gave it, you know, all that time essentially was, put to that deity and then poof it's gone you know what i mean so it's i feel like that's something that a lot of people just kind of miss it's just the intention and the effort that you put into something doesn't have to be physical
4: going off of that uh i forget his name there was like a roman senator and he talked about the most important asset and resource human has is time we're always spending it you know uh sleeping eating watching tv or going about our daily routines and so to spend time with the deity or something that you care about that is the most important thing because once you spend up all the time that you're gifted or given to on this earth that's it you're gone so time really is the best thing you can give whether it's the whether it's spent writing poetry painting uh carving drawing or just sitting there meditating with that spirit with that deity you're trying to work with that is by far a greater gift than most things you can get them
1: that's something me and logan do like to do as well Is uh we like to go out and help clean up on our hikes so we'll help clean up an area and we'll bring some trash bags along and i mean i i know you've seen me um What what is it, Saving Midgard?
0: Right, well, I think I called it How to Save the World as a Norse Pagan because I thought that was a very poetic title.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much good it really does, but I know that the spirits are happy about it. And I will continue doing it just for that.
0: Well, I mean, one of my critiques here while I'm in uh, still in Germany is, has been the amount of trash everywhere. And it's something that, you know, I've heard other people talk about as well um, that have come to Europe even before uh, old COVID times is that there does seem to be a lot of trash everywhere. Um, and, you know, and I think you can really see it in the United States that there are more people that seem to care about picking up trash. Again, nothing against Europeans, nothing against Germans. There are people that care for sure, but it does seem to be really bad here. Um, and, you know, I think just... You know, someone taking a trash bag while they're on a hike, you know, is something that I wish I saw more often, Um, because it's amazing how much in one hike, how much trash you really can pick up. Um, And if every person here in Germany would do that, you know, if half the people would, they would never have trash in their streets, they would never have trash in nature. Um, But I mean, it's I mean, it's literally everywhere here. Um, you know, and I, I, maybe it is that loss of sacredness, you know, there, there, there's just not as much respect for the, you know, nature anymore, the spirits that you, you live here. Um, cause there are a lot of old stories of spirits. I mean, and, you know, we, we bought like a, uh, well, we got a book from the library that was like haunted places here in Germany and going through it, you find out that all these places that they're haunted are all just like pagan sites. They're like, Oh yeah, there's a demon that lives there. It's like, no, like that was Thor at one point that they now call a demon. (laughs) And So there's definitely this, like this disconnect. And I really do think that, you know, taking things away like trash is a really great way to connect with the spirits of the land very deeply in particular. Uh, But even the deities as well, Um, you know, especially deities like Yord if you want to connect more with her um, or Freya or frig, you know, know really any of the the more light-hearted deities like does odin care about picking up trash maybe but like i don't know if that's like like i don't know i don't think it's gonna be taken as like poorly received but like i don't know just pick up
3: clean up trash save midgard people um so kind of bringing it over more into like the personal uh rituals and things like that um that's also a pretty decent amount of questions that feel like are asked quite frequently is just kind of how do i connect or like especially when they're reaching out to a newer deity or someone that they're not that familiar with um and just to kind of go into a basic uh you know prog like process for me because a lot of the times personal rituals and offerings are exactly that they are personal so there are some things you know like that i connect with hell with um you know i won't necessarily talk about like on the podcast or out in public you know very few people are really privy to that information just because it is a very personal experience for me but overall like in a general broad spectrum of how like I do a personal ritual is for me it's, it's very much about uh, repetition and things that I have to like do in a set order uh, to kind of get myself into that mindset, uh, we had you know one of our voice chats um, in the Discord last night, and I kind of went over it a little bit. And I have a very set, um, you know, process that I follow with lighting candles that I have in a very particular order. Um, I always start with I have two on my main altar that is kind of to everybody that I don't necessarily have a specific altar set up to. Um, I have three candles, I have two smaller tea lights, and then a large tower candle, and I always start with the two smaller ones starting from the left to right, and then I go to the tower candle, and then from there, I light a very particular scent of of incense that helps me uh, get into that more meditative mindset of kind of, you know, broadening my mind out to everything. And that's one thing that I found that helps a lot is having something that you use consistently, like a, a particular incense. So that way, once you smell it, you're automatically starting to get into that mindset just because you've done it so many times through repetition. Um, you know, and then I will always do the offering after that, if, I, if I'm giving a physical offering and then it is always an introduction, kind of like what Logan was saying, always that introduction to uh, opening the ceremony, so to speak. And then, you know, saying hello, you know, I'm here for, you know, just want to communicate whether I have a purpose or if it's just I feel like there's, um, uh, like, a deity is pulling towards me or pulling me towards them. Uh, you know, if I don't know what they want, I'll be like, hey, I feel your presence. I'm here. I'm responding. Kind of like, all right, like, what are we trying to figure out here? And then it just kind of goes into that. And then again, with the closing, like there's always that closing aspect where I will thank them for their time with hell. I have a very specific, you know, set of things that I thank her for when closing it out. And it's, you know, that repetition for me is always a big key factor in kind of maintaining some sort of, uh, I don't know, like just a a sense of, I feel like I did something right. I don't know.
0: So, Logan, one thing I wouldn't mind you talking about a little bit, because if you want to talk about it, that is, is the ritual you did at our fellowship retreat, Um, because it was really the only, like, full full ritual we did, like, I did my meditation, um, but yours was, you know, to me, that was a very powerful ritual, and uh, the thing I liked about it most is that you did draw it from mythology Um, and then, you know, you took from that and created a full ritual out of it, which I think is something that, you know, I love to see more often in public and private ritual practice.
2: Okay. So the ritual that I did at the fellowship retreat, um, was inspired by the mythology. So the fellowship retreat, it was just the fellowship leaders, the people who kind of organized the gatherings for the community. And so I was thinking about something that I could do or a deity that I could honor that could represent, uh, you know, leaders coming together uh, for the good of you know their communities, and the first thing that came to mind was the myth of the creation of Kvassir. Uh, at the end of the Aesir-Vanir War, uh, the Aesir, uh, led by Odin, and the Kalasir or the Bonir led by Freya, uh, came together and they all spat into a vat, and uh, from their spit, uh, the god Kvassir was born, and. Kvasir also kind of spoke to me uh, for this occasion because Kvasir uh, wandered the lands uh, spreading wisdom, Uh, he brought peace and wisdom to men and that's something that we kind of seek to emulate when we're throwing these gatherings. Uh, So what I did was I created this clay bowl and um, I kind of emulated with like gold flakes and runes and I had everyone, first I uh, kind of consecrated the space so I created this kind of altar of tree stumps with the uh, the bowl on top and everyone came out after I was done consecrating the space uh, I kind of retold the myth of Kvas here and what we were seeking to ask him for and honoring him and everyone went around uh, and kind of toasted to you know this journey that we're all on together and they all took a swig of the same bottle of mead and spat it into this vat and uh, at the end, I mean, it was it was a pretty. I I felt like the ritual was pretty powerful. And I feel like everyone else did too. And at the by by the end of it, after everybody had kind of toasted, you know, where we've been, what we're doing, and where we're going, and you know how we all want to help people out and spread wisdom like Kavastir. I mean, we just went around and just started hugging on each other. And <laughs> I mean, it was it was a it was a really powerful ritual for like uh, not only honoring Kavastir but. Uh, kind of building our bonds together, kind of toasting to what we're gonna do and asking for the blessing of that.
0: So I think this is a really, the reason I wanted you to share this story in particular um, was because that connection between the historical and the mythological and now, Um, like I said, at the very beginning of this episode, we don't have a lot of evidence um, about what a heathen ritual would have been like in the past, um, unless you want to, you know, go down some roads that are some kind of taboos nowadays, like like murder. Um, And, you know, most people don't want to sacrifice a full animal anymore. Um, And some people still do. That's still out there. But at the same time, the reason these things existed is because the world people lived in, in the past was much different. Everyone, you know, for the most part, had some form of livestock. So those were your valuable things, to sacrifice you know, a cow or a goat. I mean, these are the things that had value to you. Um, the value of our culture and society has changed. Most people don't raise goats anymore. And so we've had to become more creative in our modern times on how we honor the gods. So I think you know, something that can still ground us in that past in that faith is the mythology. Um, so I think you know creating a ritual around a mytholo- mythological tale is a really powerful way to connect with those older ideas and yet still the modern world. And I think that's something that all of us have really come together on in the wisdom of Odin community is that you know we recognize that we need to honor the past, but we have to move forward in the future. Um, and that's something I've been very forward with in the wisdom of Odin channel as well. So I think this ritual was a really good way to you know bring all that together. Um, and something that you know happened to me. Uh, well, as people this week, this Friday, if you're watching this early, uh, my Balder video is coming out where you know I, I talk about the Norse god Balder, and I had to do a very impromptu ritual. Um, and basically, all it was was flowers and a little tiny bottle of wine. Like I don't have all of my you know massive um, you know like altar pieces. I have a little tiny box here with me. I don't have my community. It's just me. Um, But the thing that I really, I liked about it that I realized while I was buying the flowers is in a really weird way, it was like I was having a funeral for Balder because you give flowers at a funeral. And so as I was laying them on this spot, that's what I was kind of picturing and envisioning and kind of invoking was his death Um, and how I was there at the funeral, you know, Odin gave Draupnir, you know, Thor consecrated it with his Mjolnir. Um, you know, and other people probably gave gifts, you know, so I was giving flowers as a sign of respect. So, you know, even a small personal ritual can still have the mythology behind it in some way. Now, if you just, you know, poured out a drink or just, you know, give any kind of gift, it'll work. But I think when you tie it to the mythology, it's really going to elevate your own personal experience within the ritual as well.
1: That's beautiful. A funeral for Balder. I like that a lot.
0: All while the citizens of Munich watched me do it. (laughs) oh this was even worse like i I posted that picture on instagram of everyone watching me as i record downtown but this was not downtown and it was at the temple of apollo at this uh like they they built a temple to apollo which is really cool and i was like well what a perfect place to do a balder ritual uh but it's also a really popular place to take selfies and so (laughs) while i was performing this ritual like I had, I waited like there was people there and I waited for them to leave and I was like oh sweet so I like set up my filming equipment and I started talking and sure enough another couple was walking up I'm like you know what I'm not letting them stop me. I'm going to still keep recording. So the whole time, if you watch the Balder video this week, um, the whole time I'm talking about rituals, I'm talking about how to honor Balder, and the whole time I'm giving an offering to Balder, there is just a couple there taking selfies like crazy. Um, so that's a fun little backstory for you. But um, yeah, I didn't care. I was just going to go, I'm going to roll with it.
1: Oh, well, yeah.
0: They did come up to me afterwards um, to ask them, ask me to take a picture of them. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I mean, Like, really? Like, you watch me just pour alcohol around this 200 year old temple to Apollo. And the first thing you want to ask me is, hey, hey, bro, can you take a picture of me and my girlfriend? Because we haven't taken enough selfies yet.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's the world we live in in 2021,
0: baby. Oh, my gosh, right? And I have like my Odin hat on and everything. Like, you know, I don't know. I feel like I was in a vibe.
5: (laughs) It's like a little computer box. What do? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
0: um but uh sure uh, do you have anything more for us as far as like rituals that you do because i mean you've really only been to gatherings back in the fall so you've been pretty fairly solo practitioner for a while now so what have you been doing you know personally to stay stay connected and like what kind of rituals do you still kind of do uh
4: for me mostly it just it depends on the deity like this like i said this last spring working with Dionysus i was spending a lot of time in the forest Uh, giving gifts of like different kind of wines and stuff like that and meditating with them and exploring my spirituality deeper um i have a freya ritual plan with not just me but my cousin and his wife soon that we're going to do at his house so you know being a solo practitioner a lot of the times you you gotta really focus on what you where you're at spiritually where, where you're planning on going and what you're doing uh because you know f- for the area i live in this heavily heavily christian people think i'm crazy i mean because i'm i'm very open about me being a pagan now and i don't hide it i don't you know try to I mean, look, you're literally known as like about
0: it. uh like what pagan caleb it's like what yeah the, well the probably... caleb
4: the uh, caleb the pagan That's one right is I'm what i'm being referred to as now you know because it, Caleb is a very popular name in this area, so that's how they differentiate me now. Um, But you just have to really, really dive deep and figure out, okay, you know, this is where I'm at spiritually, this is where I want to go, and, you know, do I need to practice shadow work, what what gods are reaching out to me, what gods are really calling me, and it's hard to do sometimes, especially with our day-to-day life, if you get so busy, sometimes you need to take a break and relax and and spend time out in nature whether you're just sitting at the base of a tree going hiking camping you have to break away from the normal society to really figure out what gods are talking to you and what where you want to go spiritually if that makes any sense
0: I think another thing you can bring up um, in the form of rituals, uh, I think a lot of people ask about still, is like how often you're supposed to do them. Um, Because I do think, again, there's this misconception of people thinking that they need to do them every Sunday on the good old Lord's Day, um, because that's what they've been trained to do, is that every week they need to do something religious and spiritual. Well, let me tell you, this is literally my job, is running the Wisdom of Odin, is talking about paganism. And I probably only give an offering... Once a month, I probably have one big thing a month where I sit down and do a ritual or do a like deeper meditation. For the most part, it's just part of my life. Um, you know, seeing the gods. You know, everywhere you go, looking at you know nature and seeing spirits or looking for spirits. Um, you know, it, it doesn't need to be this big, grandiose thing. And honestly, for me, if all I had was the gatherings every three, four months, that's enough for me. Honestly. Um, because, you know, those are very large religious experiences. And I think this is also something we see historically as well. Now it could just simply because we don't have enough information, people didn't write down their daily rituals. But for the most part, it seemed like most religious events were held to times of great need, or at least on a yearly cycle. You know, every Yule, they gave it this kind of ritual, they performed this kind of ritual every summer, they performed this kind of ritual. Um, and that's something we see from pagan societies all across the world is that, you know, they're, the small rituals unless you're trying to heal somebody or you know bring better crops you know for the most part are kept towards the seasonal cycles um which is i i, I prefer i don't need religion every week you know or at least one an hour-long sermon every week or an hour-long ritual you don't really need that at least not in my experience
4: definitely i don't go out and give uh offering a ritual every sunday or like being a big thorpe follower and him as my patron every Thursday, that'd be exhausting. Um Christianity is so different when that mindset where you know you go to church, you go to church Wednesday, you go to church Sunday, you know, you do Bible study on Wednesday, you hear a sermon Sunday. Uh, and it's because they actually their religion is their book for the most part. We don't have that. Our religion is in nature, so you don't need to go out and do these big grandiose uh, altars or like offerings every week or so you can just go out and go to the cemetery like Caleb did, talked about earlier and sit with the at your ancestors or you know go to a park or hiking as Mary and Logan suggested and clean it up like th- those small things mean a whole lot more for you and spiritually and the spirits and the gods than for you to go and give a grandiose offering every week or so
5: so, one thing that I've had uh, that's been in my mind since we started talking about all this, and it might just because we have Logan here as well, um, is kind of like impromptu rituals or spur of the moment, which this may, this probably wouldn't uh, qualify as like a spur of the moment thing, but I, I kind of count it as an impromptu. But when we did the, me, um, you and Parker did the Frere book mm-hmm. at the uh, Central Ostara. Because we had, all we knew is that we wanted to get the prayer. We didn't know any uh, anything at all about what we wanted to do. Um, we found us a nice meditation spot earlier in the day uh, and decided to hike up there with a, this herbal blend that we'd put together of like a, it was really good, like pot tobacco and mugwort. Um, went up there, sat, and we smoked that and we planned our ritual right then and there. Um, and it turned out really, really well. And I never would have thought of doing what we ended up doing, which was the, uh, what was just the sowing the seeds tending the crop and then the harvesting. And each one of us did one of those aspects. So, uh, in, you know, impromptu rituals can be a thing as well. Um, have y'all had any experience like that?
3: I would say to a degree, like there's, I can't think of a particular, well, actually, you know, it's not really a DD that I did an impromptu thing, but um, more of a, a ancestral uh aspect of it where yeah it's kind of like one of those things you're just sitting there whether it's in meditation or you're just sitting there doing your every day-to-day like things and you'll just get hit with like a sense of inspiration to go and do something and usually whenever I, I get hit with that just random thought of, of I should go and do this I usually go and do it uh, you know and it, it to me doing stuff like that has I feel more connected or almost more like a, 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 kind of like fulfilled when I instead of like taking a lot of time planning something like the the Hell's blow that I did even wasn't necessarily super planned out you know I had a very 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 like skeletal baseline for what I was actually going to do kind of like that inspiration come to me you know as I was meditating on it and stuff like that I, I personally really enjoy the impromptu stuff because Yeah, it could be literally in the middle, I could be cooking something and be like, oh, I feel like I need to do something. And then like, you know, depending on what it is, I can, you know, do it right then and there, or, you know, I take a little bit of time to kind of plan it out, but I really enjoy the Improv 2 ones. I think they're honestly really fun to do
1: yeah I mean that's how I get into it too is it's mostly impromptu like I feel like I should do this I feel like I should light this candle I feel like I should grab this herb I get this notebook uh, burn this throw that um I did this recently um and I ended up meeting a god uh a goddess that I didn't really expect to ever uh have a conversation with um But what I did is I was burning my herbs and lighting my candles and going through that whole rigmarole of doing this and that. And then what I feel like doing is putting on my garb and dancing. And that's what I ended up doing. And when I got done with that, I felt like I I felt like I met Verdandi, uh, the norn of the present. And I was just overcome with this sense of inspiration or this sense of uh, ecstasy that was like kind of like cackling, kind of crazy, kind of like the ever-changing chaotic nature of the present really like showed itself to me. And that's probably my most powerful recent one, but I I like to sit down and meditate at least three times a week. Like I like to do it pretty frequently, but it doesn't always turn into a ritual to the gods. It doesn't always turn into an offering. It's just kind of what I want to do in the moment.
0: Uh, So one last thing I do want to mention before we uh, like finish this podcast since we're actually over the 50 minute mark already, um, is when rituals fail, or when you don't get the exact result you really want, because I I think a lot of people, um, you know, feel like they messed up if something doesn't happen, or one, they expect way too much, they're expecting the skies to part and Odin to ride down on Sleipnir and say, I've heard your call, (laughs) like, that's not necessarily going to happen let me know if it does because that'd be really cool take pictures but chances are it's not going to happen um so you know i think some people have too high of expectations for what rituals are really going to do um or at the very least don't aren't ready for when they don't give them exactly what they want or at the very least you know they blame themselves when something doesn't go right so do you guys have any personal experiences or advice for people getting into ritual work for the first time uh, when they feel like they get the cold shoulder
1: Mm.
0: I would say
3: just don't necessarily blame yourself for it because, you know, you're, like you said, you're not always going to get a response, so to speak. Um, You know, I've had, you know, personal rituals that I've done where, you know, I I started it and I got everything set up and I actually, you know, went through the process of, of making an offering and reaching out. And I basically got nothing, I got no response. And I was just like, well, I guess today's not the day. And, you know, I basically closed down the ritual in a respectful manner. And I was just like, I'll just try again another time. Um, you know, and that, that's gonna happen. I mean, these are deities that, you know, we're not their center of attention. You know, they're not always gonna be there to give a response or maybe it's something that'll come later down the road and just not necessarily that particular moment. It may be, you may plan some crazy rituals, some big thing that you're doing and then go through it and do it and not get that immediate response that you're looking for, but then say like a week, two weeks to a month down the road, that's when you may actually get it. So it, I feel like a lot of people have a tendency to focus on the here and now when doing a ritual like that or just doing rituals in in general and it's not always going to be the case it could be a more prolonged response so if it if it happens it happens if it doesn't you know don't i wouldn't beat yourself up about it it's just one of those things where i guess today's not the day and then either try again later or just give it some time and reapproach it or it happens later
1: I think it's really a perception thing as well so I don't know a lot of the time they I think people expect to be talked to in a certain way they they expect to be able to hear it and to know it uh just like in a way they expect to hear another God's like through sound or um you know like They don't expect it to be inspiration or internal or kind of external signs. They kind of expect it to be um, more straightforward than it is. And I think it's important to understand that it's a mystical experience and it's not necessarily always straightforward and there's symbolism you have to look into. And sometimes you do get a reply, but you don't know how to read that reply.
5: Well, I think it's fairly well known. I had a fair, I had a pretty large one back at the uh, Kentucky whenever I did the Odin float there. Um, if you watch the video, it looks like it went perfectly fine. The magic of um, editing, do what
0: the magic of editing? The magic
5: of editing, yeah. Jacob is a magician, if you didn't know, he's the real Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, which I'm Tom Bombadil. Remember, that's what we're figuring out. Oh, yeah, right I forgot
5: now. Bombadil. Yeah, sorry about <laughs> uh, it's that beard
0: and that, honestly the hat too
5: yeah that too that helps um, but at that when I had it I had this whole thing um, that I had planned out was going great and then which I didn't know but I remember I saw I saw like things moving around in the sky it turned out there was like a little meteor shower like that going on I think Jacob said that he saw it but it didn't get captured in the video but it's like right as soon as I got I got to uh, I can't remember exactly what I finished saying it, uh, whenever I lost my words or I lost my voice uh, speaking to, when I was speaking to Odin, um, it looked like one of those meteors had came and like disappeared, like right above my head. And I felt in that exact moment that I felt like I was a complete failure and that I had failed Odin. Um, and it just, it wasn't that. It was that it wasn't, that ritual wasn't meant to go that way or the way that I thought it was. It was meant for Odin to sit there and listen. And I was being that, Aspect for him in that day, at that time. And come to learn after that, just through my own personal stuff with him, because I went down there to, to the same ritual spot the next morning and I felt his presence immediately. And I was like, dude, what
4: the hell?
0: Where were <laughs> you last night? Exactly. And all I kept hearing was, oh, I was there. <laughs> I was listening. And that's all I got. Well, it's like, and it's not like it wasn't a powerful ritual. Like, you know, everyone still had some oh, very powerful experiences that night.
5: Yeah, it was just personally, it just felt like, you know, I can't even do this for Odin. You know, like, what am I doing? But it, would, it just come to me, being the, the, the ultimate answer I got from it was time for me to take a step back for a few months be a student, learn, and then grow from it, and then take what I learned and, you know, show him what I can really do. So that's what I've been doing. And, it, you know, the first ritual I did after that was the the one I did with Logan and Parker at the uh, Central O-Star with the uh, first book. So sometimes you just have to look for the deeper meanings of, uh, you know, the real purpose behind whatever
2: things don't go the way you plan. And hey, even a failure can be a message.
4: Ooh. Well, going off of like what Caleb, Mary, and Ian has said, uh, the way I look at it is you're human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to screw up. So whenever you give an offering and you feel nothing, it's not, maybe it's not like they said before, it's not the right time. Maybe the God's, busy doing something else you know these deities they have their own plans they're doing their own things so you can't beat yourself up over about it you just gotta pick up move on you know you're gonna have those moments where you're gonna give this grand big offering and nothing happens uh it it happened a lot of oftentimes uh with preachers they talk about it how whenever they give a sermon and they felt like the congregation should have just felt it and they felt nothing you know, so it, it happens with every religion, not just paganism. So you, that's one thing you have to remember is at the end of the day, after you get through with this offering, you're still human. You, you did your best to just pick it up and move on. So something that, I, you know, it,
0: it's really hard for me to, to like select one experience. And I think it's important for me to say that, you know, I, I, you know, operating the wisdom of Odin, you know, being a full-time Norse pagan, essentially, you know, in the sense that it's always my life. Um, it's important for me to say that I failed so many times in a ritual. I, I've had so many experiences where I, I feel like I've beat my head against a wall. Um, so it's hard for me to even select one to share with you guys. Um, but I think the the biggest one for me Um, because I think most of the people listening here are not going to run out and do a large group ritual tomorrow, they're probably going to do a private one. Um, So for me, in my private ritual practice, I have found that my mind is too cluttered at times to really feel the gods. And you know, that is a thing where you can be like, you can blame yourself a little bit. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, you just need to find a way to get your head in the right space. Like if you literally rush home from work, you sit in front of your altar and you expect something to happen right away, chances are, if you're like most people, you're not gonna be able to like have a religious experience because your mind is still firing with work. Um, You're still thinking about your day. So finding that decompression time that, you know, the antechamber between religious practice and your normal life, I think is really big. And I think meditation is really big for that. I think, you know, even things like smoking pot, if that helps you do it, cool. I mean, if you're in a state that it's legal, right, guys? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, But I think, you know, you just need that thing to really help you um, decompress from your day because, um, you know, even me, you know, running a social media account, editing videos, um, you know, sending literally dozens of messages every day, my head gets so clogged up that, you know, when I sit down to actually practice the faith, I can't feel anything. Like the gods could be shooting me with, you know, rays of energy and I could be like, oh, what? You know, like I'm not even actually going to feel it because my mind is so clogged up uh, with just, you know, just the day's BS, you know, I've been on my, you know, i look down on my phone every 30 seconds, you know, I'm sitting there thinking about my phone as I'm sitting in front of the altar, I'm thinking about, you know, bills or, you know, my family, you know, and I can't clear my mind. Um, and I, you know, and I think that's why a lot of us are really big on meditation, even though it's not something that's written in the half a all to sit down and meditate every day. But I think it's, it is something that, you know, can help anyone in their religious practice to get a clear head. So when those experiences do happen, you can actually feel them. Um, so find what works for you. Um, again, it's something that works for me is, you know, hot showers, you know, if you, there there are cold showers, whatever, just sitting there in the water, let it, you know, cleanse your mind until you're finally done. I mean, um, sometimes, you know, I, takes me 45 minutes to clear my mind all the way but you know it just depends on the day
3: just to kind of touch on the shower thing actually that's a that's honestly kind of part of my personal practice as far as doing that stuff like because that'll help me as well is it's almost like a ritual in a in and of itself where I am cleansing not only my body but my mind of everything that is going on you know like shower thoughts are a very real thing you know I honestly tend to think about more things when I'm just sitting with water running over me or have, you know, a certain level of epiphanies or what, whatever it may be while that's happening, because I am essentially in that moment in time, I'm clearing my mind of everything else that has gone on in the day. Uh, so yeah, just of to touch on that, like that definitely, I'm in a similar boat with that, where that's kind of turned into a part of my my ritual like if i know i'm going to do something big that is exactly what i'll do even if i've already showered earlier that day and i am technically clean for like human standards but in a way it also helps me to like cleanse my mind as well before doing something
0: you'll never be clean by human standards ian uh, you filthy human you heathen our souls are I, filthy
4: I, adding on to that ian uh and jacob i'll agree that's one thing i've added to from the hellenistic path is the no, The way that it was recorded in Athen- the Athenians, they would wash their hands and wash their bodies in no, salt water before they gave an offering to any god or deity. So, it, as a there cleaning, mechanism a cleansing, to to purify you for the ritual. You'll never be clean. That's why you use salt water. The salt will clean you.
5: <laughs> wash them faces, you impure humans.
4: Well, um, if
0: I, from what I remember from uh, the, the brief time I took a Russian um, folklore class or like a Russian folklore and society class uh, before I dropped out because that woman was a psychopath. But regardless, when I was in that class, one of the interesting things we learned um, was that like during uh, ritual periods for like early Russian people, like long before like orthodoxy came, they would have moments, um, like if they were about to do a big spiritual thing, they would like lock themselves away for like three days like you know whoever was going to perform the ritual would go into like a hut and they would have food and water and they would go into like a meditative state and no one was supposed to bother them and literally if someone walked in and we're like hey guys like what's going on like they would have to restart the whole process because of like just how sensitive that state was um so you know i i do think that there there's this this human thing where getting yourself into that right you know state of mind for a ritual is a thing Um, And it's something even for me when I do group rituals, I always make sure I have an hour, half an hour, two hours to get ready um, to get myself in that right mindset. Um, but we are getting to the closing ends of this episode. So I do want to give Logan and Mary a chance to plug themselves on that Instagram and say goodbye, to everybody. So Logan, and Mary, first off, thank you both for being on this show, um, you know, for being shanghai into this experience with us. Um, so just tossing it back to you guys, any final words you have for the peoples out there and just where they can find you.
2: Uh, well it was wonderful to be on here uh, with you guys finally I I hear about your in jokes and stuff all the time from recording so thanks for having me on and uh, I'm Drew druidafreya on Instagram so if you want to follow check me out
1: (laughs) thanks guys for having me on Um, it's been really cool I really like the subject Uh, I love hearing y'all's practices and experiences um but my at is Valkyrie of Weird on Instagram.
0: All right, awesome. And well, I
1: started a blog.
0: Oh, that's right. You Maybe did start you a blog. What 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 is the actual and name of the blog? Like I, is it just Captain's Log?
1: It's Gifted Threads.
2: On Substack. On
1: Substack.
0: It should just be Captain's Log because I love that. <laughs>
1: I, that's just that one purse. I thought that's what it was going to be the
0: whole time was just captain's log, like captain's log, like the humans still have not realized that I've infiltrated their ranks. Oh, that's hilarious! But
1: <laughs> no, it's not going to stick to the theme like that. No.
0: The mole people shall we'll rise. See. <laughs> all right well thank you both once again for being on this show um and thank you for everyone joining and listening and uh I apologize that this has so been a little bit of a badness but again having five people on wait six people on has been quite crazy uh but wonderful at the same time so I hope you enjoy this conversation hope you've been able to learn some more but if you're interested in being on the folk podcast or have questions for us at the folk podcast please email us at the folk podcast at gmail.com that's right it's not hotmail it's gmail uh, or no AOL messenger either. But once again, thank you all so much, and until the hall, call. Call. Oh. Well, for six people, that was actually really good. <laughs>